Five Drive. Catch up. Davies, Tim Lewis, it's you on five. So, Gorongosa is the place that I'm exceptionally excited about and desperately trying to spread the news on. I think everyone should go and visit there at least once in their life. They exist as a park. You know, you go and do the safari thing and uh, take you out on game drives and boat cruises and whatever. But one of the main reasons they exist is for development and sustainability and conservation and an incredible amount of science. Like, the amount of projects they're doing there, it felt like something out of the wild thorn breeze. Like, we get up in the morning and we go on a game drive and there's this PhD student from India on the side of the road with a ranger next to her for safety, busy collecting ants because she is doing, like, the world's foremost cutting-edge research on some kind of ant. There were people there capturing bats at night because they wanted to learn how bats communicate with each other wow. that so is fascinating i love wild thornberries <laughs> and I, I can't imagine being there it was no. so good it was so great <laughs> miguel is our friend who's a phd candidate studying servals who takes us into where they're doing all the science in the park and explains to us a little bit more about what is sort of happening there specifically one project that they have on the go at the moment with elephants i was talking to you yesterday about the fact that like they introduced wild dogs into the park because the creatures were too tame and they needed to restore order in the circle of life. That kind of thing, that sort of engineering and conservation is just an amazing, amazing, inspiring story, I think, anyway. Okay, welcome. This is the um, Edward O. Wilson Biodiversity Lab. Uh, the lab is, uh, has this name in memory of Professor Wilson. He visited Garangosa three times. Uh, he unfortunately died uh, in 2021, in December, uh, on the 26th of December. And you might like to hear some of the principles that I've developed. So let me begin uh, by urging you, particularly you on the youngster side, on this path you've chosen, to go as far as you can. The world needs you badly. Humanity is now fully into the techno-scientific age. There's going to be no turning back. Well, uh, he was a famous entomologist, for those who are not familiar with the term. He studied insects, mostly ants. Um, and when he started his studies, I think the world knew about like 20 groups. And now we know more, more about like 200. So it's, it's a lot of stuff. So he was, is basically the, the, um, has been a model for, for the, kind, the, the kind of young scientists we train here. And so the lab has, has his name on it for that reason. Uh, so. Right now, this is an, an office area. Uh, like my office is there. We have a ton of other, other rooms here. But I will guide you through the more interesting rooms uh, where you can actually see what our daily work looks like, our scientific work looks like. We do a, a ton of different projects in, in Gorongosa. We have our... We receive uh, researchers from all over the world and we host them to the best of our ability. And we also have our internal researcher and ongoing and long-term projects. So, for instance, uh, one of the long-term projects um, we have is the Elephant Ecological Monitoring Program. Uh, right here you have elephant colors. For those who are not familiar with coloring, this is the color you put on an elephant if someone wants to try the weight. Um, it's quite heavy. Um, so obviously the animals have to be mobilized for the color to be put on. But that's how we track them. I think at the moment we have close to 50 elephant scholars within the, within the park, obviously, and its buffer zone. Gorongosa is not fenced by any means. Uh, and animals obviously roam. Uh, uh, it, it helps a lot to know about how they use the habitat, how they move in the landscape, and also when they come into conflict, for instance, with communities and crops, it's also very useful for us to know exactly where they are. Obviously, not all of them are tracked, 
but when you, for instance, have colors on breeding herds, if you have females that belong to that herd, you will know roughly where the where the herd is located at the moment. I can't understate, or I, I can't overstate enough how epic these science labs we were in were, in the middle of the bush. And what's fascinating about it is because of all the money, all the funding that they have, the best minds are in the world are there. So like when we meet these people, they explain to us, they're like, this guy is the foremost expert in the world when it comes to this particular kind of bat or wild dog or serval or lion. Or and it's just this massive group of really, really passionate scientists figuring out the clues to our natural world. And it's happening just one country away from us in Mozambique. 5FM. Do we know what a herbarium is? No. No idea. Herbarium. Some type of herb. Uh uh. Have you heard of it? Does it ring a bell? Uh, it does sound familiar, but I can't think. Imagine being a time traveler and a nature enthusiast at the same time. So you've, in your career, visited forests and savannas and jungles of the world, and you want to preserve those experiences as best you can, but you obviously can't take the big trees back with you. Or can you? Jude, because that's where herbarium comes in. So it's like a library, but instead of books, you've got plants. It's a collection of preserved plant specimens that get mounted onto sheets of paper and they get labeled with vital information. It's like a botanical time capsule. And Mm. they had a fascinating one at Gorongosa, which we will step into on the show next. Uh, We are now so far disconnected from what you would think would be a place of technology, despite that in a cutting edge lab right we're in a research center in the middle of the bush in central mozambique at gorongosa talking to research manager miguel layas at the park who is doing his own phd and i'd said to you i was like you wouldn't believe how many different projects they've got going on there it really is a wild long list just listen to this other things we do on our on our side not done externally we every year we have what we call biodiversity surveys we just came from one so we bring a team of specialists from inside, outside. We invite people from all over to go to a different area of the park that has never been biologically surveyed, like extensively. And this team is deployed there for two weeks, for instance, and we extensively and exhaustively survey the different organism groups, like say, plants, insects, bats, small mammals. And these expeditions often, um, we often collect a lot of data on what's, what's there, what's new, and that will enter then our database that I will show you later. Um, yeah, so these are just examples of some of the things we continuously do in the science department. This is, so we have five, let's call it so different departments within, labs within science. So the first is the herbarium right here. Then we have the zoological collection. We also have a, a molecular lab. Uh, our colleague will, will, will speak about it there. But we are actually, I think, probably the only national park who has a molecular lab on site. Like we, we do PCRs, we do extractions here. Um, we also have an ambient lab where we conduct environmental experiences, or, or better saying, experiment, experiments under environmental conditions. So that lab is basically a building with the temperature, normal current uh, temperature and humidity, where we can conduct experiments without having the baboons breaking in, for instance. So it's stuff where you can grow plants under these conditions, you can, um, uh, say, breed insects under normal conditions. You'll see the lab. And then we have the Paleo Lab, um, that basically is where our team now that works, it's, the project is called the Paleo Primate Project because it studies both primates and paleo and the human origins. So obviously we are, we are all primates. And so what the aim of their studies is to link primate behavior and primate origins 
human origin. And what you have to remember about this park is that they're rewilding a place that was destroyed by human beings. There was a civil war there, right? Like, there was this one project, the Gorongosa Lion Project. They, obviously, the lion population was damn near wiped out. So, using GPS collars, night vision cameras, all kinds of different things, they monitored their hunting and their social behaviors. And they learned how to, like, map their genealogy and their health records and things in order to eventually grow them in the park so is that when you go on that safari drive you turn a corner you can see two of them laying down ready to mate fascinating creatures that were totally wiped out by us as humans also restored and put back there by us as humans turns out we can do both so i was talking about the fact that there are these just legitimately fascinating people that work at Gorongosa that have found themselves attracted to this place we go into this uh i was telling you about the um the herbarium, the library of plants. We meet this guy who, at first, we're just sort of told, yeah, he's a world leader when it comes to botany and all that kind of thing. I meet him later, find out he's born in the Netherlands. This guy becomes a rock and roll photographer in the 60s. No, um, <laughs> yeah, and like does some really interesting underground things covering the punk movement and that kind of thing. Uh, he ends up, he goes and works at the Social Security Institute in the country after deciding to do film. Later on in life, he starts living in Zim. He has a terrible car crash. He gets massively into botany and without a degree or anything, like travels the world lecturing on this stuff. Wow. It's the most insane thing. His name is uh, is Bart Worston. You're going to hear more from him on the show. But this is it. Like as we, I just think okay this guy is a scientist and he's been one his entire life not the case the herbarium we keep at a constant of 16 degrees which is not that cold but it's it's quite chilly um, the reason is that that is an effective way to keep mold and bugs out that will uh, affect our plant specimens and the uh, the temperature of 16 degrees here is enough because apart from the air conditioning that sort of dries the air a lot a temperature of 16 degrees is not what insects in this part of the world really like it's way too cold so if they're there for 24 hours they're dead uh, my home base at the moment is in belgium we have a big herbarium there as well if you put there if you put the herbarium at 16 degrees in all the insects go like yay this is nice temperature so there we have to do quite a bit uh, quite quite more stronger things to keep everything free so basically there we have to take out every cupboard uh, once or twice a year and put them in the freezer for a week. And with three and a half to close to four million specimens in that herbarium, that is, that's somebody is permanently, permanently in, uh, employed just basically to put things in the freezer and take them out again in turn. Here we luckily don't have to do that. So what we've done is we, we basically from, from 2013, we have been conducting these, uh, these surveys in all different areas in and around the park. And so we spent two or three weeks in a certain area. And then as, uh, as uh, Miguel told, we, uh, we then have a team of scientists basically looking at as much as possible and collect as much as possible of what we can find. And for the plants, uh, we then collect the specimens of the plants which go into these cupboards. And they basically all look like this. So you have a folder with the genus and within the folder of the genus, you have then the species. 
and we have then these specimens mounted. They are labeled, all the information that all the data we collect, the information will go into the database. From there we can print these uh, we can print these labels so they have all the information here. They all have a barcode so you can find the information back uh, in the database with including the additional inf uh, information because this is just a plant specimen and the 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 nice thing about plant specimens is they keep forever and they can give you a very a very close-up look of what the plant looks like so you can, you can look at the at the all the details that you have a microscope need a microscope for or a, or, a, or a lens for like the little hairs and glands and everything that you can find here but a lot of other things get lost in the process. I mean, flowers lose their color and certainly lose their nice shapes. But in modern times, we don't have to worry about that so much anymore because photography did, makes it all much easier to, uh, to collect the data that size. And those photos are then also all in that database. It's the Africa Tour on Five Drive exploring the incredible success story that is the park of Gorongosa in Mozambique. Catch up from some of the best moments from the 5 Drive team by going to 5FM's catch-up page on the 5FM app or 5FM.co.city.